All right, all right, all right. This is In Liberty and Health, everybody. Welcome back. I'm very, very excited for this show. This is going to be a little bit of a continuation from Tuesday night's show, but um, with some very, very lively guests. I'm really, really excited for this conversation, as I said. And they encourage me to become worse, I guess you could say. <laughs> so make sure you like, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff. Um, Check out the links below for all the stuff that I use on a daily basis. I'm getting better at this here. And um, without further ado, let's go. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical, and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. What is up? What is going on? Yo, what up? Uh, so returning to the show, Brandy Bishop. I really enjoyed our last conversation, and uh, so did all the people who listened, because uh, that show did really, really well for me. And I think um, having Ryan here along with us will do uh, great as well. So, uh, Brandy, if you want to give yourself a quick, quick introduction, I'll give Ryan uh, the floor for a little bit longer since he hasn't been on the show yet. Yeah, uh, I am the co-host of Decentralized Revolution for the Mises Caucus. I'm also a video game streamer on Twitch, and I'm an event producer who, and I also, Brian is also in my event as well, called Cult of Art. Oh, nice. Awesome. Uh, Ryan, go ahead. Take it away. Yeah, so uh, I'm a scientist by day, a chemist in corporate America, corporate pharma. Uh, I'm not as digitally connected, but I'm a local sexuality advocate, kink, like workshop instructor. I also do a lot of performances in the greater Boston area. So thanks to Brandy for putting me up on the big stage, leading some ridiculous shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely a uh, interesting title to say the least. So, um, I, I guess we could kind of do the—I don't want to say the fresh and fit thing, but uh, maybe dating status and kind of what your situation is right now. So, um, obviously, for everybody that knows me already and is listening to the show, they know I'm married and um, I lived a previous life of—I um, don't want to say man whoredom, but man whoredom for lack of a better word—before I met my wife. And um, I used to not advocate that life for men, but uh, over time, I've kind of changed my mind on that. And been a little less stringent. Um, obviously, a lot more. I was a lot more of like the trad con blend, but I think that's kind of lame now <laughs> looking back at it. Uh, so, uh, Brandy and then Ryan, and you know, we are we obviously covered before the show. No two specifics if you guys don't want to, but yeah, go ahead. So yeah, uh, I was actually in an abusive relationship for six years, um, and I'm currently single. I've been celibate for. Oh, hot minute. Celibate with men. I should be very specific here. I'm not celibate with women, but I have been celibate with men for a while. Um, and yeah, I mainly that's not for any moral reason. It's just more me trying to heal from that past relationship. Uh, I did like kind of jump into stuff really quickly after that relationship and after and it was just I wasn't ready. And uh, now I'm just trying to take things slow. So I am. I'm single, but I'm mingling. 
Right on. Well, I mean, you seem happy and you look mm -hmm. healthy. So I'm assuming that things are on the up and up. And then, you know, obviously, um, you know, you'll be the uh, best determiner for what your health is and, you know, how you want to move forward with that. Uh, Ryan, go ahead. Yeah. So I'm kind of the opposite of single. Uh, I have currently five serious partners um, in various degrees of physical location to me. So I live with one partner. Uh, we have another serious partner that we're dating together who's around the block. Um, there's another partner of mine in Boston who does kind of their own thing, but like, you know, she and I have been doing things for years together. And then I have two partners who live much further away. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I can give more details, but that goes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so, so this is kind of interesting because, uh, a lot of guys in the manosphere quote unquote, kind of talk about this concept of polygyny. Now, I don't know if you necessarily subscribe to or subscribe to this, but um, it kind of seems like that's your kind of deal where you and your girlfriend or your serious partner, however you want to put that, um, see people together, which, in my mind, if you would have told me about this like five years ago, I would have like revolted at the thought of this. But as I kind of get older and as I learn more and more, then I kind of think that this is actually a very, very viable thing. And I think Brandy may disagree with this, and that's okay. Um, we can kind of hash that out a little bit more. But um, it seems like guys are typically okay with being with multiple partners, and they don't develop the same feelings. I think there's even some data to suggest that, once again, men don't fall in love with the partners that they sleep with, whereas um, – women tend to a little bit more i'm sure brainy will push back on this a little bit but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay um is that kind of like your situation how you see it so um there are aspects of it that fit that there's some that that don't line up as well Sorry. um <laughs> <laughs> kevin uh, i wouldn't have the time this man is living 48 hours a day <laughs> yeah uh, it's Sorry a lot of scheduling definitely burns through a lot of my uh yeah, my, my leisure time is is spent with a lot of these leisure. People. Um, I guess so. My my entire twenties were spent, as you said, like kind of being a man whore. I was kind of a shitty person. Like I was sleeping around. I had mm -hmm. very little regard for the people I was sleeping with. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it it took a lot for me, like multiple iterations, to be like, I I that's not the kind of person I want to be. Not because I thought. I was being wrong by having a lot of like promiscuous sex, but I wasn't being genuine with a lot of the people I was doing it with. Sure. And it really led me down a path of like, you know, this, this concept of like radical honesty, like, you know, I'm going to tell people how it is. I'm going to tell people what, and I'm going to do that with myself first and foremost. And it just eventually led to a point where, you know, I was in the swinging community to start. And that was very like feelings were off the table. It's just a lot of really, debaucherous sex with a lot of debaucherous people. And eventually, you know, I started finding myself being much more comfortable with the people I was sleeping with, sleeping with other people. I was like, more and more just like jealousy was off the table. And I, I just didn't care nearly as much. And maybe that came from, you know, years of confidence of like, I'm, I know what I'm doing. So I'm not worried about other people being better at it than me. Or, you know, I'm just kind of a hippie at heart or whatever the case may be. But I found myself being drawn to people who were also looking to, you know, live that kind of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the way it seems to be, is that like people cluster sort of there. Um, now, well, I want to give Brandy the uh, floor to kind of add her thoughts to anything that was said in the last couple of minutes, just so that way I'm not skipping over too much. I'm well, because well, yeah. one thing you were saying, uh, I, Ryan's 
girlfriends also do sleep with men as well because i feel like that like so it's not just a one-way situation which is i think what like rollo kind of talks about and other people talk about is like the guy sleeps with a lot of women but yeah. they don't sleep with other men but that's well, not the situation for ryan yeah so a lot that's, of the right like, right that's they sleep that's, yeah that's generally correct right i mean yes. like i i tend to be with women who like to sleep with other women but you know i'm not going to be the person who's like you can't sleep with another guy um, yeah so you know, me and ryan dated too by the way so yeah <laughs> i dated yeah. him and his partner <laughs> well, uh, yeah i mean i i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna bring it up but you know. i don't care i i've no i've got no shame <laughs> yeah right on uh, I, I would probably not have any of my exes well you know not any of my exes but any one one night stands on the podcast i mean i've I've seen them out in public and i'm kind of like oh oh boy I hope, like <laughs> you know not that i ever think there would be shit stirred up and not that i have any like animosity towards any of these people but like you know i'm, I'm you know, we're married now. Um, so somebody asked here, sincere sarcasm, how do you contend with social norms in that lifestyle? I know that things have become a lot different in that aspect with the last decade or so, but there still seems to be kind of a taboo with it. Um, I want to add my comment to this real quick, and then maybe I'll throw it over to Brandy and then Ryan, you can go. Um, I think this is a lot more of a norm, like this becoming more, I don't want to say the norm, but it's like a lot more accepted where people kind of are more into open relationships and seem more open to the possibility of it. Um, and, and like from the manosphere perspective, or at least from like a a lot of what those guys kind of live by is that um it's typically closed on the woman's end and then open on the guy's end and it's typically because you know the woman is so that like okay well i'm fine with seeing other women with my guy or he's okay to do whatever he wants because like this is my guy and i trust him and what he's doing and i'm not attracted to other men because this guy's kind of like my guy so uh brandy good um so was that like it do i think that it's like stigmatized because well, yeah. i i think it's it's more stigmatized for obviously uh like i don't think it's stigmatized on the part of like a man having multiple women but i do think it's stigmatized like the whole cuck concept where it's like if a guy lets other guys sleep with his girlfriend or anything like that then they are considered a cuck which we see a lot of on the internet yeah <laughs> I, I I like that. <laughs> this is not a street laugh. <laughs> Sorry about that. I guess I struggled to get out of that. Uh, so, uh, Ryan, yeah, how do you contend with the social norms? Because I really haven't. I know actually a decent bit of people who are swingers and it doesn't seem to be very much so talked about. And like, there's actually more people that do this than like, I realized, like I hear about people doing it. And I'm like, wait, they do this. Yeah, I've heard numbers that put it up to something like 20% of couples have engaged in some kind of swinger behavior, even if they're not going to like the sex clubs and things like that. You know, they're inviting friends and neighbors into the bed. Um, I've had some really fascinating encounters. I remember early on when I was like really trying to do this like ethically and honestly, I remember um, I, I wound up like, you know, kind of hanging out and befriending somebody who worked at a strip club. And she was just like, we had these conversations where she was like, oh, you know, you don't always want to have the same, you know, same meal every night thing. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Diversity is the spice of life. I love that. And we were, I thought we were clicking on the same page and we were talking about that. And she's like, you want to come back to my place? And I was like, yeah, let me just like tell my girlfriend I'm going to head, you know, to yours. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm going to let her know that I'm going to go home to your place and things might happen. And she's like, that's weird. What are you talking about? Like, I was like, wait, you thought I was going to do this and not tell her? And she's like, yeah. And so cheating would have been normal. 
but me being like open about telling my girlfriend, oh, I'm going to go have sex with somebody else was very strange. And we wound up not doing anything at all. Um, I've not really, I, I'm not going to lie. I've had to like just completely reform my social circle to be, you know, a lot of people who are at least accepting of this. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of stigma. I do agree that the gender bias is pretty hard in what like out in the normal world, you know, uh, women are really heavily encouraged to settle down and no one really bats an eye at a guy who's just having sex with like multiple people. Um, I have gotten like a, a little bit of the, like, you know, oh, you're a fucking cuck. And I, it's easy for me to laugh that off because I have threesomes all the time. So like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I guess, I don't know. My life's pretty terrible. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I think as long as you're kind of on like the up and up and you're honest with your partner about your expectations, then I believe that that's all okay. And I think that's where people get really fucked up. And like your traditional conservatives will typically freak out at this idea. But like, um, and, and you guys might be able to expand upon this more than I do. Um, I feel like if you have kids in this situation, then it's a little bit different. Like you probably shouldn't be bringing strangers home when you have kids. Like, and I'm going to assume that you don't have kids, but you know, obviously you can like everybody if you do, but like to bring strangers home with your children there is, uh, I don't like that situation because then you're bringing potential predators around and not to say that, you know, you're sleeping with predators all the time, but, and I don't assume you do, but like, you know, you just don't want to bring that potential around your children. But like, you know, if it's just adults and everybody's in the loop, then I really don't see the big deal about this. And I would have thought a while ago that like, hey, maybe this is like the too loose of rules lead to a little bit more of like a chaotic society if you kind of get the drift I'm going down. But I really think that there are more orderly people who just think like, hey, variety is the spice of life. You know, I want to enjoy experiences with different people. And, you know, that's not the swing for me or my wife. But, you know, for other people, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I think Polly's also it's different than swinging. So like because Polly, you're having like relationships with these people. So in regards to children, like you could have a, like multiple very serious partners and like there's no like what's the issue with having these multiple serious partners around your kids? You trust all of them like you have these long term bonds with these people. I think that that's where people get confused because they're kind of confusing swinging with Polly and mm -hmm. Polly. You I mean, Polly, you can also have casual sexual encounters as well but like there is also an aspect of like it being more serious partnerships i don't ryan am i am i wrong here am i right i, I would actually push back on that oh the vast <laughs> the vast majority of swinging couples that i know are have children are inclined to it because swinging because it's such a like you know date night oh we're gonna go fuck this couple down the road you know you pass the kids off to the babysitter you have your night of fun and then it's yeah poly you know, I think in the hundreds of people I know, there's maybe a few couples that have kids. And, yeah. I mean, I'll know, agree that there's not many people that have kids that are poly, but I'm just saying I don't think it would be detrimental to children in the long term if there was a poly situation and they did have children. No, I think it makes it more complicated, but children are a lot smarter than most like people give them credit for. Mm -hmm. I just think like it's like my my family, the children in my family, like their parents, like my cousins, my you know, whatever the case may be, <laughs> they tend to ask. They're like, don't don't do any of the weird stuff in front of them. Like they're like, yeah. afraid, you know, so that's actually an easier thing to hide. But then I, you know, am I going to bring my partners or my serious partners around? And like, I'm not going to ask them to hide the nature of our relationship unless they're willing to do that up front.
Yeah. Um, okay. So I'd kind of disagree. I think the whole guy should sleep with who they want was kind of a mass for underlying factor, which is men's mental health. That's really a quote unquote new mainstream topic. Uh, not that I'm saying men who sleep around have mental issues. It's just an easy way to mask it. Um, you know, I would push back on that and say that the majority of men who sleep around do so because we have high testosterone and we like fucking and women you know, like having sex as well. And if there's a high value guy they deem is worth that one night stand, then they enjoy that as well. Um, I think for women, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say damaging, but like it pays a heavier toll just biologically because women, you know, the cost for sex is a lot higher for women than it is for men. And that's not to say that, you know, oh, if you have a high body count, you're doomed, but it's to say that like, okay, well maybe some partners are gonna have a higher impact on you than other partners. Um, now there, you could probably find a woman who has a high body count and she would be a very, very faithful partner and a good person and all that stuff. Or you may find one that has a low body count. And there was just one guy who really made an impact on her world, not only sexually, but emotionally. And then she's going to have trouble bonding with people. So I think people get like very, very in the weeds and lose a lot of the nuance when they start diving down these topics and myself included from time to time. But um, you know, you can look at the stats all day, but you still do have a person in front of you. And what I find the red pill useful in um, the red pill praxeology useful for is like, Hey, these are tools to help you make a better life. This is the way that I've always looked at it. And I think people get very emotional when they hear the stats and stuff like that and think, Oh, well, you're saying all women are this or all men are that that's, that's not the way you should look at it at all. This is just information to help you, you know, what do you want to do with this? This is like fire. Do you want to do you want to cook food or do you want to burn the neighborhood down me i want to cook food and i want to make my life better rather than burn the whole neighborhood down like andrew tate is he like the neighborhood burning the neighborhood down guy with the red pill yeah pretty much yeah yeah Uh, i so i i've gone on a lot of deep dives with like the red pill and i do find like rollo there's some stuff where i was like okay yeah i agree with some of the stuff that he says in regards to like women's desire and what uh like i do actually agree with him when he said like um women desire men who are desired by other women like he says yeah women want a guy who they don't they don't want a guy too cheap but they love a guy who could yeah well i mean yes well and cheating so I would consider myself, I'm like ambiamorous. I can be polyamorous or I could be monogamous. I think I lean more towards like an open situation, but I wouldn't want like a swinger situation because I I personally d- wouldn't want anything that's just about sex. Like that's just not the type of person, the person I am. For me, I, it's all about the emotional aspect of having that in order for me to have a sexual relationship with... Connection. Yes, I need the connection. Um, but uh, I do agree that like women are more like if they if if a guy is desired by other men or by other women <laughs> men too <laughs> then yes they they are more likely to be attracted to them um and i i personally feel like instead of getting jealous like if a girl hits on like my guy i'm with at like a bar or something i'm like oh that's hot like i think it's hot but i think a, yeah but a lot of girls will like get jealous and like freak out you know, like they'll like freak out, but it but it doesn't make their desire go away. They just like react in a very aggressive way about it. For me, I just I don't even have that like des- that jealousy instinct. For me, I just think it's hot, and I'm like I want to jump his bones now. <laughs> That's what we think. What's good a situation like that is because your, your guy's being pre-selected, right? This means that you have a high value guy because your guy's desired by other women, right? And I'm 
maybe Ryan could comment a little bit more on this, but like, you know, <laughs> I know that when I've seen women that I know out in public and they come up to me, they're excited to see me and they give me a hug or something like that. You know, my, my wife has said to me before, like, oh, well, you didn't like introduce me to her. I don't know her. And it's because, you know, she realized like, hey, <laughs> he has friends. You know, he was selected by other women and he's not a creep. He's qualified to be around other women. And that's what women are looking for, looking for a high value guy. And when they can be friendly with other women or, you know, have been, you know, had sex with other women, then typically that's an attraction cue because they say, hey, other women want him. So therefore I'm doing something right. Yeah, I mean, I can fully agree with that. I mean, when I was out in like the wild world, just like trying to hook up with people at bars and things like that, I was, I always considered myself kind of like medium attractive. Like I'm tall, I'm strong, you know, I have those like kind of things going, but there were people who were bodybuilders shredded, like just very beautiful men. And they had no idea how to talk to women. They had no idea how to be comfortable around women. And right. I just like from a very early age, just didn't care about that. And it allowed me to kind of move through that. And I knew if I moved to a new city, you know, you don't go out and you don't start sleeping with the most beautiful people. You just start like just kind of connecting with people. You make friends. And then, you know, you find the weirdos who you're going to be like, oh, yeah, why don't we go get into some weird shit in the fucking parking lot? And then, <laughs> you, then you can like work with that. And it's honestly perversely not much different in like these orchestrated communities that are built on communication and, and sort of shared like interest. There's still a lot of the same people who are the very popular dates. And then a lot of the people who are like, Oh, hey, like, you know, this person's really nice. Like, let's go have like a really nice you know, experience and encounter. Um, like stratification happens. I just think people are a little bit more honest about what they want out of an experience when everyone's talking about it very bluntly, very openly. Whereas out in the real world, a lot of it's coded, right? Like you have a lot of like, you know, signaling for what's going to happen one way or the other and who's what. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny because like I do live my life more socially conservative, if you will, like as in, you know, I've been with my wife now for it'll be five years. I can't believe it. Fucking next month. Jesus Christ. Congratulations. Thank you. But uh, and then we'll be married a year in uh, November. But like um, my problem is and this kind of gets a little bit political, but not really. But like all the trad cons that you see, especially in like our government, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, um, who else am I thinking of here? Just, you know, you pretty much name the people who promote traditional values. All these people are fucking frauds. And I think mm. a lot of the time it's because same deal. They don't want to be honest about what they actually want. And like, nobody, I, I wouldn't care what you do behind closed doors. If you're just honest about it, but don't sit yeah. there and say that you're some upstanding person and sanctimoniously preaching to everybody else uh, when you know you're getting railed you know around back at the store behind the starbucks dumpster or something like like that. isabella moody bro exactly. fucking can't stand that bitch <laughs> like i'm a trad wife and then there's all these pic and like i hate gay people and then there's all these pictures of her just like making out with girls and it's like bitch yeah. shut up like yeah, no, so hypocritical. Nobody no i know we're honest That's yeah if you said hey you know what i did some stuff in my past <laughs> This is my path forward, and I'm not going to frown upon people who do this now. But the yeah. problem is when you go out waving your finger in everybody's fucking face, yeah. now you look like a fucking asshole. You yeah. Know? I mean, we, so we, I have tons of friends who are very conservative and like absolutely into like the traditional family dynamic, the whole like thing. They get along with my fucking weirdo community way better than a lot of the people who have things who, there it is. That <laughs> <laughs> chick is awful. Continue. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's it's crazy to me how much you know it's it's as soon as somebody starts proselytizing about like what way is better like oh the choices i've made are better for you and that's you know you're gonna regardless of the side you're on like i my i have friends who i agree with their political values but once they start preaching that to somebody who it doesn't fit for you've lost me completely 
Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where I get annoyed with like religious people. Um, and, and not, I should preface this with like the friends who I have that are religious are phenomenal people, especially like the Orthodox um, Christian guys. They're some of the best people I know. And s most of them don't do this, but I do see a few that do where they say, Oh, this isn't Christian. Like uh, I'm an agnostic. I don't care. Like <laughs> tell me why I, what I'm doing is objectively bad or make the argument as to why what I'm doing is bad. Like if you're, if you're preaching gospel to people that don't believe in your gospel, this this has no effect. You're not even having a conversation at that point. So I I just can't stand the sanctimonious preaching from flawed people as well. And like, even if you are perfectly conservative, just understand that not everyone's going to fall completely into your worldview. Like um, it, it's the same deal with the libertarians who just think that everybody in the world should practice the libertarian worldview. It, it, it doesn't mm -hmm. work. And you're trying to hold people to a belief that they don't share with you. Yeah. And you have to kind of if, you, if you're going to do that, it is about like kind of practicing what you preach, you know, and which is what a lot of people don't fucking do. Like they don't like if you want to convince people that your lifestyle is the best lifestyle, show them. But don't lie. Don't like don't in the back you know you're doing all this shady shit which is what i've heard with a lot of conservatives actually like is which is kind of very well known within the republican party is like they all talk about being these like upstanding conservative religious people and then behind closed doors they're like blowing lines off strippers asses and shit it's like dude like <laughs> just be that's why like in my opinion it's like i would i always say like i vice signal i don't virtue signal i almost make myself look worse than i actually am because it's like then when they get to know me they're actually like oh wait you're actually like not as crazy as I thought you'd be. <laughs> I, I do wish we had a politician who was honest about like, I just fucking love cocaine guys. You know? <laughs> I, know. Like... I, I do think there's a difference though, between the libertarians and like the Christian, like kind of proselytizing. I feel like the Christians think they're on the defensive. And so they have to hold the line. Whereas libertarians are still trying to convince people like, no, no guys, this is a really great idea. Trust me. And you know, we get, I think that's almost two different completely sides, like sides of the coin where they're bringing that to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've just seen people saying whenever people are being rude, like somebody kind of came at me for talking about when um, I pointed out that like when men, when surveyed typically find women in the ages of like 18 to like 24, the most attractive. And this person lost their stuff. And I actually really like this person. I kind of understood where they're coming from, but like, this isn't to say that women who are older than 24 have no value, but like, this is just data do with it what you will. And mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. There's just the people who lose their shit. And like you said, proselytizing and expecting people to live up to their values. It, it, it's ridiculous. And it doesn't work. Like these like, people don't care about your values. <laughs> well, and, well, in regards to like the 18 to 24 thing with women being like, like they are, I'm bisexual. So like I can say like, yes, women are objectively like hot. I 18, not so much like 18 in even 19, though I did hook up with a 19 year old, but that was a few years ago. I was 30 at that time. So <laughs> I was 30. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, that's right. You're past the wall. <laughs> she's, she's famous now, by the way. Who? The, the bartender no she's not Have you Nina? Seen her? no oh, sorry what do you mean famous yeah we'll talk offline <laughs> <laughs> sorry i was like the one night the one night stands are blowing up all over no the well that wasn't a one night stand that was like a six to eight month stand um but anyway 
But I didn't. I she was I drinking at the bar, and I didn't know she was nineteen. To be completely fair, right away, it took me, and then, but then I I did it anyway because she was really hot. Either way, <laughs> besides the point, <laughs> I would say that the issue with dating women in that age bracket is that they just don't know who the fuck they are, and if people are looking for a serious relationship, I. Like, especially if you're someone that's like, I want to get married and I want to, like, they're going in that trad route. Like, you, uh, you're more likely to get divorced if you marriage before, marry before the age of 25. Like, that's just statistically true. You're more likely to get divorced within 10 years if you get married before the age of 25. And I think because our brains aren't developed until 25, like, they haven't fully formed and become who they are yet, and they don't even know what they want yet. So I think it's risky dating those people not, like, they're still hot, I'll give you that, but that doesn't mean that that would be the best age bracket to go for a partner, like a serious partner. What about people who find that lack of, like, form, like, form brain a part of the attraction, right? So, like, the innocence uh, I, I guess, but the issue is, is that that might not have any longevity because they might, they're going to potentially, you know, develop and what, when they develop, they might not even be attracted to you in 10 years because they right. have learned that they want something completely different. Okay. So Ryan, you would be able to comment on this a little bit more, but, um, women who are very, very attracted to a guy, you will notice over time that the woman will not necessarily inherit that guy's traits, but like. You know, let's say your favorite band is Pantera like mine is. Well, you're around a girl who who really, really likes you and you're spending a lot of time with her. And then all of a sudden you notice her listening to Pantera, kind of picking up on some of your not like language, but just little bits and pieces of you are starting to kind of come out in her behavior as well. Um, have you noticed that with women before? I have. And I have noticed along the like long term relationships that I see tending towards like a downward trend that has stopped. And I think one of the things that people lose sight of is like, if you stop growing as a person, people who are drawn to you or were drawn to you are going to stop being inspired by you or stop, stop being, you know, like impressed by you as a person. And so, you know, you have to always grow and like cultivate your own taste and then you share that. And then that's a part of the whole thing for people to be drawn to you. If you have a partner who you feel like they're not you know, they're not doing, the, they're not listening to your favorite music. They're listening to their coworkers' favorite music or something like that. You need to start growing and not blaming other people around you is my look at that. Mm -hmm. Brandy? Well, I, I think that one issue what happens in relationships is people do become stagnant. Like they start to just become, uh, you get comfortable within the relationship and then you stop trying because you feel like you don't have to try anymore. And uh, I think that that ends up becoming a downfall in a lot of people's relationships. And then they usually, not always, but like a lot of times that's what makes people end up having a wandering eye is when they're like, I'm not getting anything from this, anything new. Like I'm bored, you know, they just get bored eventually yeah, right um no, okay i was just gonna say comfort is the enemy of long-term happiness absolutely mm. absolutely well the human machine isn't really built to be content and i'm sure that both of you guys could probably attest to this as well like uh you know i've been really struggling to get to a, a 550 pound deadlift for the last couple months and i remember a year or two ago when i finally got to 500 i'm like ah you know what? i'll probably just like tap it here because i don't want to get hurt and then you know here i am you know a year or two later just constantly trying to work at it but you know all the other lifts keep going up and as soon as you hit you know that certain number then it's like okay well i have to do a little bit more because i know i could do a little bit more so like it's not necessarily the goal that is ever like the happy state and if you think that happiness is like a sustainable state 
you're you're full of shit because it's not the happiness is in the doing and in kind of the grind and the process of learning and i think that applies to relationships as well and you want to see your partner grow grind and then obviously get raised stuff like that so like um one thing that a lot of the guys at the red pill will point out is that uh women when they get a raise typically that precedes a divorce from a man i think that's typically because a guy may get comfortable in a situation and then when the woman starts to kind of raise you know herself up then she doesn't need that guy anymore because he essentially became superfluous (laughs) i can't say that word you you guys got me drinking now i can't talk (laughs) but uh yeah basically she doesn't need the guy anymore because now she has income of her own so when your guy is sitting there and he's not really striving to become more than okay well what do you need him for we'll get rid of him we'll find somebody else that'll do i think they both have to work towards their own objectives and goals like one thing i disagree with the red pill on is like how they say uh you might kyle you might disagree with me on this but i think i've heard rollo talk about this where it says they say that um men don't care if a woman has like anything of her own like if she has a good job or if she has like other interests or like goals like they don't men don't care about that i i don't think that's true in a lot of cases like i i feel like men also will get bored some will can get bored in those situations um and really it's like both people kind of always kind of leveling up together ryan you go ahead go first and then i'll add my thoughts because i have uh, i have a lot of thoughts on that <laughs> yeah i was actually going to ask like what the, like the sort of like red pill interpretation is of sort of like a holistic look at value across the board so if you have you know a woman in a couple who is kind of the high earner the breadwinner and a guy, like let's say like the kind of classic starving artist who isn't making a lot of money, but has fame or notoriety or whatever the case may be. Is there like equivalent, you know, trade-offs that are slotting into that sort of thing? And are there roles that guys who are falling into, you know, like out of the, the breadwinner slot for the relationship, are there ways where they can energetically pick up that sort of slack and be like, hey, you're making all the money now. I'm going to go fucking be a, like a Ron Swanson woodcarver and just start being like famous around town for my fucking Adirondack chairs or something like that. OK, so I'll, I'll take these one by one. I'll, I'll first start with um, kind of the female, the idea of um, women kind of becoming better and how guys don't necessarily care about what women do. I really don't think men really give a shit about women's goals. And that, that's a little bit blunt, but like guys men and women are fundamentally different. I don't think anyone in this panel is going to disagree with that, but like we're attracted to once again, you know, females, beauty, right. Youth and fertility. And not that, you know, don't, don't go to logical extreme with that, but like, you know, you want somebody who's, you know, sexually available, attractive, and that, you know, will generally be a good parent for your child and generally is loyal to you because you want to know that the kid is yours. Um, a woman's job, a woman's finance, all that stuff isn't that important. And women typically don't share their wealth with other guys unless they really desire that guy. Then they'll do whatever they can to kind of make that um, to facilitate that whole deal. Um, for most guys, they're not going to know a woman who's really going to share a lot of their wealth with them because, you know, they're generally most guys are going to have to settle for a woman that is either, you know, a single mom or obese, like. I'm talking the majority of guys. 
when it comes to the more the guys who are a little bit higher tier who have really worked on themselves and became the best guys that they can be, then they're going to know a little bit more that a woman that does share a little bit more financial value because I, I just don't think women once again, women aren't really set up to want to provide for a guy. Now, if the guy is a high value or she sees him as high value through some of her means is in like, he has some kind of social proof or he's displayed value that he's going to climb some kind of hierarchy of some sort. If you follow what I'm getting at here, then, you know, then she'll probably be more willing to, you know, share her value with that guy. But I don't think, you know, just kind of going into an equal partnership. Um, I don't think a woman really likes to share value. Now, when it comes to, um, Ryan, can you repeat your question again? Yeah, so I was I was trying to understand what the red pill take is on a sort of like holistic value sense, right? So it's very easy to compare incomes because yeah. equal, you know, equal lines. But if you have somebody who, you know, the kind of classic famous starving artist who's paired up with like, you know, a high, high earning like, you know, partner, what is the take on that if they're they're famous have a high level of notoriety but aren't a breadwinner aren't bringing like the kind of classic sense of value to the table how does the community feel about that okay so basically he would display higher value through other means rather than just financial which i think this is what a lot of guys get wrong and i think brady would agree with me because i think we talked about this the first time she was on is that like your only means of showing higher value should not just be financial um pre-selection as in being an attractive guy to other women and also being admired by other guys is another way of having social proof where your woman's going to admire you so like if the best way i could distill this down because i'm a technician is like okay so we have a shop full of seven techs right well i'm the second most senior tech so whenever the senior tech isn't there or like the main line tech isn't there then i'm kind of the next guy up so technically that'd be my social proof is being kind of like the lead tech who hands out the work and is the guy that all the other techs come to to kind of ask for help does that kind of make sense it's it's almost literally going back to like a political ideology when you look at like left wing and right wing where left wing is egalitarian egalitarianism and then right wing being the uh, understanding of hierarchy, where if you're at the top of the hierarchy, then that makes you more attractive because once again, you are the guy that every guy wants to be and everyone wants to fuck. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm de- Brandy and I have conversations about this all the time where, you know, the different levels of like social ranking and, and social sure. worth. And, you know, I don't know of any sort of like true egalitarian system that has any sort of stability, right? Exactly. You just, you just have values for other things. And I think seeing like the rise or the, the increase in the, the number of people who don't want to have kids, like young people not having kids and things mm-hmm. like that is actually like evaluating that whole structure of like, oh, women like want this for this sort of thing, men want this for this. It's always, or generally it's been very children centric, right? That's always been the purpose. And now you have a rejection of that and it's a whole, like there's a whole bunch of new shit on the table now. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, that there's, it's just a reforming of those same, you know, the value hierarchy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Brandy, good. Oh, well, I just wanted to say something in regards to what you it, it, so I, I kind of agree with you, like in regards to men, maybe not uh, caring about a woman's goals and things like that. But I think maybe it comes down to the fact that it will make her happier in the end, too. So it might make him happy in like if she has things that she's working towards and isn't just being fully dependent on him. I, I think that in the end, that might provide more value in her and make her a happier person which he will be attracted to does that make sense like it will make her more value it will make her more attractive just because it will make her like more confident and more happy does that make sense 
Yeah, no, no. I, I think I would agree with that. But I think women also get pleasure from pleasing their man, or at least a man that they actually like, because they know that's going to keep that guy around. And I'm sure, you know, <laughs> Ryan and I have probably both experienced women that want to keep you around, and they will do whatever it takes to make sure that you're not going around on them. Now, once again, you know, I'm not going to speculate as to anybody's personal relationships or anything like that. But, you know, if I think if women really have a guy that they want to keep around, then they will do what it takes to keep that guy around. Um, you know, the saying is, I'm a good dog but you have to pet me to keep me on the porch <laughs> i mean you know it's really interesting to see i i've found a lot of people that like i don't know maybe you've experienced this in the past when you were dating as well people trying too hard as a turnoff and like you know yes. I, I i want people who are confident people who have the ability to like i i kind of want to know that somebody is going to be all right without me and then that makes me want to keep them in my life you know, it's a weird dichotomy. Right. If you need me to take care of you, I'm less inclined to want to take care of you. Whereas if I know that you're like a, you know, a wholly actualized person, we can, we can kind of build things together. The, the line about not caring about other goals, I, I agree with in the kind of spirit of it, but I, to me, it's the sense of, do your goals conflict with mine? If not, we're good. If they do, yeah. you know, let's figure that fucking out right now. Yeah, yeah, you have to find someone where your goals kind of like work together. Like oh, that's like the best when like your you and your partner are your goals are kind of almost like aligned in some way. So, yeah. I mean, so you so Ryan, were you saying that you cuz you just said that if they were fully dependent on you, you would be that makes you less attracted to them, right? Like if yeah, it I, felt like they needed you. Right? So I want, it's interesting because I like being a generous person. I like being the kind of person who can take care of people and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I'm not like, I want to be able to like have, I, I want my partnership to be, to be equal in the sense of like, I want somebody to be able to handle their own shit. I like having my strengths. I like them having their strengths. And like, I like the exchange of what we're getting out of the relationship and obviously why we're together. But I don't want the idea of somebody being like, like, dependent on me maybe in the legal sense or just in the like i can't live my life if you're not paying you know whatever this aspect or doing this thing for me is is counter to i think what like my goal as a as, a, as somebody in a relationship is although again i'm not looking to build the traditional you know family dynamic so my, yeah my i i think the reason why that is and you could correct me if i'm wrong but i, I don't i think guys are okay with taking care of women that they actually care about but they don't want that to consume their entire lives because they realize that that's a distraction from their goals so like my wife is a very very independent woman isn't like she works her ass off and her and i enjoy the time that we have together but i understand that like even without me she would be fine but i afford her a much better life than she would have without me but once again this kind of gets back to why men and women are different is that we're complementary we are better together than we are apart um you know, my wife and I would be perfectly fine apart from each other, but her and I love each other and we enjoy our presences. And, you know, we like doing a lot of the same things together. And there are some things that she compliments where I lack. And there's obviously things that I compliment where she lacks. That's kind of like, you know, 
in my mind, at least the ideal, you don't want a woman, at least I don't think guys do want a woman that they feel like they have to constantly tend to like you want somebody that you can be responsible for and have authority over in the relationship, but you don't want somebody that you have to do absolutely every, you don't want to play captain save a hoe when, when you're trying to, you know, be on your grind. If you're working a very, very demanding job, you don't want to have to text your wife or your girlfriend all day to make sure they're okay. You want to be sure that like, Hey, they're good enough by themselves and they can handle the kids. They can handle their job. They can handle whatever task is given to them without me supervising them. You don't want a child essentially as your partner. Oh, wait, I thought like the red pill, don't they say that women are just children? I thought that that was like the well, thing. Well, society at large, we treat women like retarded children, <laughs> like as, as if they have no agency. Because I mean, essentially, we do. We treat women authority like over. Yeah, I, I was going to push back on that a little bit. I, I would love to. I would love to hear more of what you mean by authority. <laughs> Okay, well, authority in a relationship is basically just saying that, like, you can decide where the finances are and then legal authority. Because basically now, if a man and a woman or if a man and a woman split up, then the woman has overwhelming authority in the relationship as in, like, she will get to decide where the finances go. And then if they divorce, then she gets alimony and she... Abolish alimony. Anyway. Yeah, right. But that's generally <laughs> what I mean by authority. Now, like, in a good... The reason why patriarchy is kind of looked as a more in the red pill community is looked at more as a balance system is because the man is responsible for the woman, all her choices and has authority over that. So not to say that like the man can tell the woman, whatever she can and can't do, but basically like if she fucks something up, then he's responsible for that. Mm. So like back in the day, um, everyone says, Oh, women couldn't have credit cards or own property. Well, they could, but when they got married, the man assumed all the responsibility for that. So therefore he had the responsibility and authority. Whereas today men have 0% authority, but 100% responsibility. So it is interesting. I I'm curious about like, I guess maybe there are like, I know, I understand that that exists and there is a lot of practicality to it when people subscribe to it and it works well. I have seen both sides of that. I've sure. seen people. I've, I've seen that work well. I've seen it work very poorly. I've also seen a lot of like, you know, I guess what you would call closer to the egalitarian uh, like dynamics work where everybody has agency and autonomy. But I, I think I don't know if there if you're if you're kind of subscribing that we should have like that's the natural order of things or like this is a system that we can sign up to. Like a lot of the conservative couples I know opt into that system and they love it and it works really well for them. I think a lot of the people in my community are the kind of people who inherently reject that one way or the other. And you have to build your own, like you need yeah. to have a system. It just doesn't need to be, I don't know. I don't know how, it, like, I wonder if you're going to push back on that or not. Well, can I add something? So mm -hmm. this is why I don't believe in state marriage. Because I actually think that the, like, when you get the state involved and having, like, a marriage license, personally, like, I have no issue with the concept of, like, marriage and, like, a spiritual, sacred basis where you're getting married for, for God, you know? Like, then that makes sense to me, and I understand why people do it. But if you're getting married just to get a marriage license for the state, that doesn't make sense to me because it, it started off as just a commitment before God, right? And now it's, it's a commitment before the state. Yeah. <laughs> like so that's why i don't believe in state marriage anyway so like and so i agree with you i definitely think like state marriage is fucked and it is definitely lean leans in the direction of women having more uh okay. like i know someone that just got divorced and his wife like racked up like it was like seventy five thousand dollars in credit card debt and the half of that debt is his now because they were married you know and like things like that like 
that's kind of bullshit that that's possible and that can happen. But that is the issue with state marriage. I I personally would say like having a more a la carte system where you, if you want to sign up for something like alimony or any of these things, like you can kind of have a different contractual situation to do that. Mm -hmm. like marriage that should be a religious thing. Everything else is a tax or insurance incentives. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, um, what's the point? Yeah. I, I well, like I said earlier on, um, patriarchy is a more balanced system because once again, the male assumes responsibility for everything that goes on between him and his wife, which I'm actually in favor of. Once again, if he's able to decide how things go and if the woman decides to quit being a wife that she doesn't, you know, she still, she still doesn't get all the same benefits as if she was a wife. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I just don't think I agree with you. <laughs> because okay, well <laughs> Like, well, to say that that's the best way, uh, I think that that's been the way. I don't know that that means that's that not it's the way right now. No, well, right now we're in this weird smorgasbord situation where it's like still the men is having all of the responsibility and women are also getting more power in regards to like being able to work and all of these things. So like it does like in my opinion that structure doesn't work anymore like that worked historically but it doesn't work anymore and the only way it would work now is if women went back to the fucking kitchen and stayed there you know like and that's the whole trad like kind of concept okay, right so is to like i I, th I think we're we're a little bit closer to agreeing than we are disagreeing here because, okay like the idea of the trad wife barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen really isn't that realistic anymore because we do have labor-saving devices thank god for that that make our lives a lot easier so we don't necessarily need um you know a woman to stay at home all the time which does help and it is good for children but like i think the trads and a lot of the people who are pro like you know barefoot and pregnant tend to overplay this where they think that like oh well you have to have the woman at home all the time or else the kid's gonna be like this autistic retard whenever it grows up like I, I think there's a little bit more nuance to that like obviously breastfeeding is good for a child and then you know having the you know the mom and the biological mom and the biological dad at home is good but it's not like, you know, we can have people go out to work now at this point because, once again, there's you, you're probably not going to spend eight or nine hours a day sitting there breastfeeding a kid and watching over to make sure it doesn't die. I hope not. I think that kid <laughs> would have some sort of dependency issue. Really? Forrest Mommy said state marriage incentivizes people to leave. And I agree, especially yes. with the like the concept of alimony, which is what I think yes. we 100% need to get rid of. It actually incentivizes women to end relationships and people are like why are women getting divorced i mean they can technically take half of the man's assets that they didn't even fucking work for like mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense i think if people had better access to lawyers we wouldn't see as many of the like marriage is basically just a blanket statement to the state in terms of having control of your children and the sort of like uh, it's a it's a legal fail safe for if things go wrong when you're being optimistic but it's a major barrier to breaking up and i i don't think mm -hmm. you know the the system is a completely different one for people at the top and people at the bottom like you know like poor people aren't worried about somebody taking all their assets when they don't have it it's you know you have you have 
people at the bottom are much more inclined to stick it out when you're married because the, it's just going to be too much cost. You don't have the resources right. to do it, which I think that was the intention, right? You're like, you're getting married. You're not supposed to break up. Yeah, they're trying it, it basically getting the law involved to force people to stay together. But yeah. I, in my opinion, I think that the getting the state involved in your relationship is so it's like also as a libertarian, just counter to my values <laughs> like, completely. Well, so uh, the reason why kind of to go to a 50,000 foot view, um, when you have the state involved with marriage, it's because we do live in a gynocentric society where we view this, the feminine as correct and we want to give women the authority. So basically, like you guys said, it's you give women the authority to basically rake men over the coals and then get whatever they want from that marriage. And they no longer, once again, they opted out of the job to be a wife. So why do they still get paid as if they're a wife, you know, through yeah. alimony and through getting resources from a man that they're no longer with? Yeah. And, these I mean, are women that will have a job that will have like a full-time job and they'll get alimony. Like they'll be able, it doesn't really make any sense though. To be fair, actually alimony isn't just for it's whoever is the provider. So women, I, I have a friend who makes more money than her husband. So I know all that. And, so a man can also do the same thing to a woman. It's just less common, but it is possible on either side. So like, that's why when women, women celebrities actually usually get fucked on this because a lot of women celebrities will, well, like Britney Spears, she like fucked her fucking stancer, the backstage dancer and had to pay alimony to him, mm -hmm. like things like that. So it's not just because it's at this point, it's supposed to be gender neutral. Mm -hmm. Though it's it not. just seems to affect <laughs> men. Well, it just affects men more because of how the world fucking works, but it can also affect women. So, I mean, basically it's the medium is a message is that it's, it may be gender neutral, but it does disproportionately affect men yes. more than women. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't uh, want my wife in the kitchen, my kitchen. I want to run it. Yeah. Uh, better access to lawyers, a bandaid on a cancer, just get rid of the laws that make it possible without a contractual agreement. I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. You know what? Funny enough, Kevin, um, I do a majority of the cooking in the house, which is actually kind of funny. And I actually do a shitload of dishes too, because I make most of the dishes. So, um, wow. You, you know. cuck. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> not to, exactly. but yeah, I'm like, see like probably things or all these people will be like if a man washes dishes like they're just basically a woman like <laughs> yeah yeah now i mean i look i'm very very proud of my cooking skills and anybody who wants to fucking debate me on this go look at my fucking twitter and see all the shit that i cook you know i barbecue is, stuff grill protein treats i'm the fucking man with this stuff but is your wife a good cook too she's not as good as me oh <laughs> interesting so like but you're not a trad you used to be trad i would say that like my ideals were a lot more trad back then but her and i definitely like our marriage is very traditional in that respect as in like you know close on my own close on her end but um you know i do a lot of cooking for both of us and uh you know she works a job and we're planning to have kids she's not gonna quit her job and stay at home or anything like that okay yeah. See, I get I get the best of both worlds. One of my partners, a chef, she tends to cook all the meals we share together, and I tend to cook. But at home, I'm just like you know, always grilling. We have a grill in our living room, and I'm just like, you know, always firing like steaks and beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, this kind of throws out the idea that uh, yeah, get off my grill. <laughs> what? Get off get my off grill. My exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, a man who can't cook is like a man who can't change a tire. Listen, I can do all that and more. I just finished up an Escalade job today. Um, so uh, Ryan, I'm I'm gonna kind of go out on a limb here and say that uh, you being a scientist, sailor, and sinner. You are probably considered a more high value man. And I'm guessing the fact that you're also um, in kind of an open relationship that also drives a little bit more desire between you and your, correct me if I'm putting this wrong, but your most serious partners and the person that you live with. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, that tends to not be the language I use, but sure. I, I strive to be, you know, the most interesting person I can be. I tried to be, you know, somebody who Ben Franklin was like, you know, if you want to be remembered, be a good writer or live a worth worth writing about. Right. And I took that to heart. Um, mm. So it's, I, I, it's hard to say, I, I'm not the kind of person who does comparisons among that level. I acknowledge they exist and I acknowledge I'm doing well, you know, and I'm just like, I'm always one of those people, as long as I'm on the right side of the curve, I'm happy because I have found when I was younger and I obsessed about that a lot more, I, I found myself being a lot more unhappy more frequently because I was always looking to see if I could one up the next person. Once I started looking in life in brackets of like, you know, you could call it low value, mid value, high value. Once you get to where you want to be and you're not getting into the minutia, like I don't go into a room and size everybody up. I go into a room and I have a good time. And that is a lot more effective for me to draw the people I want to draw to myself and to have the kind of like, you know, mental state that I want to have. Okay. So what I like about your outlook right there, and I kind of do the same thing. Um, I'm not sizing people up. I'm there to be a sociable person. And this is kind of why I think learning about this kind of stuff is so useful because like, it's not just the fact that you can be good with women, like oh, being a better person, a better man overall is going to make you better at everything you do. Like you should be able to be in, you know, go into a room and be confident and have a good conversation with somebody. Even if you two are on like completely different ends of the spectrum on whatever there is, you still should be able to have a good conversation with that person and like charm being good looking and all this stuff is never never a bad thing. And, you know, all this stuff will make you more attractive to women as, as a consequence. You know, when you work out, when once again, you are a charming person, when you are somebody that's just good to be around, then you're already a head and shoulders above most people anyways. Like to be a better guy or, you know, kind of above the competition in this respect isn't very hard. You ain't got to do a lot of work to really it's get there. It's really not. It's really not. And that's, that's what's so frustrating about like people get so pessimistic about it. I have guys in my DMs kind of getting blackpilled, if you will, about this. But I'm like, it's not that hard. You have to work out a little bit, eat a little bit better, and just don't be like a piece of shit. And Don't be a piece do, of shit. You'll do pretty good. <laughs> I, I heard this comparison, uh, like, well, people will be like, well, women don't like nice guys. And I actually agree, because women like kindness. So kindness is not the same as being nice. Uh, Jordan Peterson has this quote, uh, women, uh, or no, it was uh, a man is someone who has the capacity to be cruel, but isn't. Like, has the capacity to be cruel, but yeah, isn't cruel. Yeah, has a capacity for violence, but yeah, yeah, like, and I actually think like it really comes down to kindness, like, and genuine kindness. I think is very attractive to women, and men don't realize that because they're like, oh, women don't like nice guys, so I should be a dick. And it's like, no, 
like because nice implies like simping nice implies that you're basically going to like just agree with everything she says never do any pushback just be like uh like nice means that you don't aren't confident in yourself and kindness just means that you're a nice genuinely good person the, the best example of that are marines like if you meet yeah. those like the special forces people who get up in the morning and make you coffee and are like hey you know any, what can i do for you they are the the walking embodiment of that do not mistake my kindness for weakness you know yeah they're the kind of people who are like they walk onto and they're like i want the world to be a better place because i've literally seen it at its absolute fucking worst and they're also the kind of people who know 20 different ways to fucking murder you so yeah you know take a cue from them it's not you're not simping by being like you know generous to other people with your time or things like that so when you see people online and and like i I wish i could just beat this out of everybody's head whenever i see guys specifically complaining about somebody's revving the shit out of an engine i i I hope you guys can't hear that there's can't hear it (laughs) okay good 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 um but like whenever i see guys complain about their life complain about their circumstances complaining about women or simping online i I just want to like grab them and slap them and be like stop (laughs) do not do that whatever you're going through nobody cares I i hate to be that guy but nobody cares Women do not care. If you tell women about your problems, they may feign. Like women do not care. About if you love problems. someone, I don't think that's true. If you if you but, care but, okay, about if, someone, yeah. you you but will care about them. If you're already there, that's not how you get somebody to love you. Exactly right. Yeah. You will not simp a woman into bed. You will not pity a woman into bed. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that, true. That, that does not happen. All yeah. right. You need to be on your game all the time. And even if you're going through shit, you need to play it off like it ain't fucking happening. You need to be cool, calm, and collected and be able to handle stress no matter what at all times. At all times. Are you saying like once you're already like communicate, like in a relationship with someone? Because I or like even because I I don't I don't agree with that. But as I said, I don't know if I'm normal, but like I like it when guys communicate with me what they're going through and like their problems. And I don't really find that unattractive at all. Um, But maybe that's just my disposition. I don't know. I, I don't think women want to hear about guys' problems. I do. <laughs> I I do. <laughs> okay. So I can jump. I know I can jump in on that. I yeah. think if you're going to be vulnerable, you have to be very specific with your vulnerability. Exactly. You have to be very strategic. Right. It's like, is this an acceptable kind of vulnerability, or is this the like, like basically, if it's like, hey, I'm having feelings, I want to talk about them, <laughs> I need a shoulder. That's great. If it's, I don't have my shit together and I don't know what to do you're going to create a bubble where you push people. Well, most guys don't, most guys don't know the difference between those things. Cause like if, if you're having trouble with women and your dick hurts, a woman (laughs) does not care about that. Like a woman does not care that you can't get laid. That's true. That's definitely true. Yeah, If you're an (laughs) like, if you're an incel, that is your fault. I'm sorry. Incels. This is your fault. If you're not willing to put in just the littlest amount of work to become better, it's your fault. You're involuntary. You're voluntarily celibate because you refuse to do the work to make yourself a better person that's attractive to anybody. And I guarantee you, it's not just women that these guys are having problems with. And like incels are like less well, than a half a percent of people overall. They hate chads just as much as they hate women. Exactly, but that's yeah. because well, no, because they love Andrew Tate, did. and Andrew Tate's a chad. Like these people <laughs> love people like Andrew Tate. They love Fresh and Fit. They love well. I would say the people on the whatever po- podcast are not chads. Like Brian seems so not a chad. 
like but i but they are they are attracted to the chads a little bit like it almost feels like latent homosexuality to a degree like I, am, I, am i wrong well it's because they're living the life that they wish they could live right you see yeah. another guy doing what you think you should be doing because you know you're just a guy and you're that valuable but you're not like what did you do to deserve this it kind of it, it almost goes to like the minimum wage argument like everybody wants more money but nobody's willing to ask what more responsibility can i take on that justifies you know more money that should be the question as a guy, if you're looking to maximize your value and your attractiveness to women, what is the value that I'm adding and what is the value that I you know, show to get the women that I want to get, right? Because if you are the guy who's just bitching that your dick hurts and saying that you know you're doing absolutely nothing to make your life better and you're watching you know seven hour MGTOW streams then nobody wants to be with you. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. But if you're out there you're doing your work, you're working out, you're staying healthy, then okay. Now, you know, you're probably head and shoulders above most people in, in that respect if you're doing that. But like, once again, if you're just complaining that you can't get women, it, it's it's your fault. There's somebody out there for you if you're willing to put in just a modest amount of work. Do you think that those people have always existed and they're just a lot more visible now because of like the internet and social media? Yes. Okay. I was yeah, curious. absolutely. I, I don't believe the human machine changes. I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now and that we're outraged about, um, it wouldn't be here if we weren't what we are right now, right? Like, um, you know, the reason why men love porn so much and watch porn and why, like, I think it's like 60% of even Christians are addicted to porn um, is because we want to get laid. I like that, porn. Yeah, but point, <laughs> point being, men have a lot of testosterone and we like sex. <laughs> that's all there is to it like you're not going to remove that That that's part of being a fucking guy that's i all. think women are just less honest about the like are less open about the fact that they like to watch porn i think that there's probably way more women that watch porn they just will not admit to it i'm just open about it because i don't give a fuck and i have no shame but i think a lot of women are ashamed of the fact that they do that well there's also a lot of porn that isn't like Porn is generally made for the male. Viewers. Yes. Of, oh, my God. Do you know how hard it is for me to find porn that I like? It is a fucking problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's a struggle, dude. I'm literally, I, I feel like shit when I have to scroll for so long because I'm like, all one, I'm it's like, like a third O on Google. What the <laughs> <fuck>? <laughs> because it's like, dude, for real. <laughs> It's because I can tell when a girl's faking an orgasm and it's not hot for me if I can tell she's not about it, if I can tell she's not interested, like into it and it's acting. And I don't know if other women feel this way or if other women will admit to feeling this way, but this is how I feel is that I can tell when a girl's faking and so I cannot fucking watch porn when it's like a performance or acting, which is like 90 fucking percent of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm actually the complete opposite. I love porn where people act like they're not supposed to be doing it. So like <laughs> incest porn is hilarious to me because they're so badly, <laughs> they're so badly acting that they're like, oh, my, my brother, my sister, we're not fucking. <laughs> it's not supposed to be a comedy, right? <laughs> that, that shit gets me off. I love that. I'm like, wow, it's like just terrible. <laughs> If you would have told me almost two years ago when I started this podcast, we'd talk about incest porn. I would have said, <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, I, 
but once again, 4K um, streaming porn exists because <laughs> men want to get laid. Yes. And this kind of goes to the idea that men can have a lot of partners without necessarily getting emotionally attached to them. Because why can we watch porn and not, you know, get attached to the women that we're watching? It's because we just want to get laid. It's not always about like we need the connection. Do right? you think it's I like, get attached to the men in the porn videos I watch? <laughs> I don't just, like what like I don't even think oh, I don't think that that makes sense though that there even are, but there are men who aren't getting attached to these stars they follow their lives oh that's go, true oh like, yes so that's a major like so I think there's a big part of the dysfunction is when you can't separate that and you're like oh mm -hmm. this person like you feel like you know them because you've watched every fucking thing they've ever produced content like all the porn and thing and then you internalize that and you're like oh this is a friend of mine like this i love watching yes that. well that's what is it called it's called like a parasocial relationship or something it's mm -hmm. like it, there's like a thing that happens uh like only fans is a big for this is like yeah. because they're interacting and everything and like they yeah. do they actually do develop a relationship with these porn stars so I, really i think that that's counter to what you said i actually think that women do men do get attached to these porn stars more well, than the women i don't think it will i'm gonna say there's a problem I think this is kind of a byproduct of like a larger phenomenon where we're in a globalized sexual marketplace. So women have access to a lot more eyes where women interpret attention much like men interpret porn, right? Because women, when they got attention back in the days, you know, access to resources and this is access to, you know, the survivability of their children and their bloodline and stuff like that. Whereas men, you know, we want unlimited access to unlimited sexuality. Um, things more important than just getting laid. I mean, that's the that's that's true. why we have. Yeah, it's that's true, true, but that's why we have. Getting, but it's true when you're getting laid. Like once you're getting like, if you're not getting laid, there's nothing more important to get. Laid. <laughs> right. well, I mean, men will put a man. Up, look, the only reason why we haven't gone back to the moon is because there's no pussy up there. If there was free 4K streaming porn up there, we would find a way to send a man. We would have Amazon Prime to get your ass up to the moon, but there's not, so nobody cares. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, incels need to realize this so they can stop putting sex on a pedestal and realize there are things more important they should be focusing on. Finding a good partner will come as a result of that. Um, I believe that, once again, men want to get laid. And if mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an urge, right? You have this urge inside of you because you're a guy, because you have testosterone, and because this is your natural drive as a guy is to pass on your bloodline. So you're going to find a way to satisfy that urge one way or another. So like when I hear people saying they want to ban porn, I'm not for that. And not because like I'm some porn addict or something like that, but it's because th this is like a bandaid on a snake bite. Like we have to learn how to deal with this globalized sexual marketplace where women have a lot more options. At least they believe they have a lot more options than they actually do. And men have free 4K streaming porn that sedates them. That's the thing that also we don't talk about is that porn is largely a sedation to most men. As in like this is stopping them from becoming better men. Same deal with like weed or you know gaming or stuff that they do to any kind of great excess somebody's got police sirens going in the background i think that's ryan <laughs> okay yeah but um porn <laughs> and all that kind of stuff is sedation where basically like they do this instead of something else and i don't think this is like a large swath of guys but i believe it's growing because you know to the lower 80% of guys or whatever percentage of guys that it is, they don't have access to women who believe that they can do a lot better than they actually can because of the globalized sexual marketplace. Well, like, men also believe that they can do better 
than they can mm. because of porn. Right, and I will tell right. you that, right? Like, you know, we talked about this in the last yeah. podcast that we had because of the dating consulting that I did. The men always wanted the tens and they were exactly. not on the same point as the tens. And that I would say that the, the porn and even Instagram, not even just porn, like just the internet in general, I think gives them unrealistic un expectations as well. So it's basically men and women are both having unrealistic expectations of what they can get. They're not being realistic with themselves. Yeah. It's a globalized sexual marketplace where, once again, 4K free streaming porn gives guys the impression that they should be able to do better than they actually are. And then women, because they they can get attention, they see guys from all over the world who can give them attention. Um, this distorts our perceptions of what's actually available to us. So, like when people talk about a high value man, like the the list that Rolo put out that went viral, and I still retweet it because it's yeah. a good IQ test. Um, it's a very contextual thing. Like even alpha male, which is like a cringy kind of term, but it's an abstract kind of term to get to a higher idea. Like an alpha male is very contextual. Like if you go to a concert, the guy doing a guitar solo that like your eyes are on him right now, he's contextually the alpha in that situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Or once again, or the lead singer. Like, exactly. Or to go back to the analogy of the shop of, you know, my, the shop that I work in with all the other techs, I'm contextually the alpha. If I'm the lead guy at that moment, as in like, there's no other techs above me in that respect. So it's a contextual thing. And then high value male, same deal. It's a contextual thing. Like if you're in Africa and you have the, I don't know, the highest mud hut or something like that, then, you know, maybe you are the contextual alpha or you're the greatest <laughs> warlord. It, it's not like, okay, well, you know, Andrew Tate is going to take his Bugatti over to like Niger or something like that and be the high value male in that town. Like that's not the way that it works. Mm. We'll see. Well, with the concept of like, what is a high value man? I actually, you know, I hate like talking about this stuff in market terms because I just don't see relationships within market terms. Like I, I really don't, I don't love this analogy <laughs> that we're using. Cause I actually think relationships are way more complex than that. Um, but like, for example, I don't consider Andrew Tate high value other than the fact that he has money, like, and fame. Like, that's it. But, like, sure. personality, like, who he is as a human, I don't consider that high value. And I don't, and this is the reason why I don't think that he has, like, any, like, real relationships. He has relationships with women he manipulates into relationships with him and things like that. But I, I don't okay, think well, that... Well, to, to, to kind of put a pin in that part, and, and you can continue on, but like, you don't think any of those women are there voluntarily as in like, they want to be there? No. Well, uh, I think that they're... It depends on what age he met them because genuinely like he did meet women when they were like 15 to 16 to sure, 17 but you really don't and believe that there are women who are there because they think now they are they, yeah if they if he met her when she was 15 before, and she's before. now 25 then yes i do like sure i bet they're willing they, you they're there now believe, you're you're willing to tell me that there's no just you know maybe uh sure they're probably 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 but i think I that he goes for i think he goes for a very particular type of woman i think he goes for a woman that doesn't have a lot like men like that they don't go for women that don't have daddy issues i'll go that i'll say that they don't go for a woman that has like a strong sense of self they go for a woman that doesn't and that is lost and they they it's not like an immediate manipulation it's it's they're very nice to them at first and they'll it, it's slow it's a slow boil i i just genuinely don't consider that a high value person so when anyone says like andrew tate is high value i'm always just like no no because we can't we can't call him 
high value. But but you but would you say that you don't think there are people who like think he has value? Oh no, I no, I do think people do, but that isn't what a high value man is, and that's my issue with him. According that that is one of my main issues. Yeah. Yes, is that people think that's what a high value man is, so and that is, is isn't that, what a high value man is. Is there a universal high value? So I know because I actually think that everyone's perception would be different. Right. Like, yeah. And I agree with that. I think yeah. that high value according to each person is going to, and this kind of goes back to once again, the, the idea of alpha or high value male being a contextual thing mm -hmm. where, you know, it's the context of wherever you're at, what your situation is going to make you high value. So once again, in, to bring it back to the automotive field, me being a highly certified technician in with general motors makes me a high value technician. Now to Ford, I wouldn't be high value because I don't have all their certifications. I would still have some value more than a guy coming off the street. But, you know, if you put me in a GM shop, I'm top dog. But if you put me in like a Ford, Volvo, Nissan shop, I'm going to be, you know, better than the guy who changes oil, but I'm not going to be better than the guy who spent 10, 20 years working on Volvos. Um, same deal kind of applies to the, inter you know, to the sexual marketplace where a guy who has really worked his way to the top of the hierarchy, you know, let's say early 30s, mid 30s, who's making good money, has worked on himself to make sure that, you know, all his assets are good and then also, you know, is in good physical shape. That would probably check off a few of the markers that make him a high value man, also being respected in his community amongst his peers. Well, you can also be high value in work, but say you're a shit bag. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, so like, right? Like, you check off multiple boxes <laughs> yeah. in order to be a high value man overall. Yeah. 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 So Ryan, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, no, 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 it's good. Do we, do we think that like, we're not doing a good job with a lot of the young men who are struggling where, you know, we're not teaching this kind of like the nuance between this, you know, I think we, I think we sell the one package of what is a high value man, but there's a whole lot of flavors of high value. Right. And it's like, you know, you can't, I hate that. Like people tell their kids, you just be yourself and you'll do it. it's like there's a version of you that's going to be a successful person but we need but to be able to, right now yeah we need to be able to identify what that is and how you know what works for you because not everyone's going to be a six foot seven tall you know fucking gorgeous soccer player or something like that right? <laughs> so it's like that's not you what can you do what are those archetypes and i think you know it's not like it's an infinite number but there are archetypes that you can aspire to and move towards. And I think. Well, okay. So this is kind of what I liked about Jordan Peterson's message is that um, he was telling people that like, there is a part of you that can be better and you should live up to that ideal. And that I really, really like, I don't like the idea of just taking responsibility for responsibility's sake. I like the idea of you being a man who is, you know, a high value man who has really accomplished things for themselves. Right. And this is kind of where the trad cons go wrong is that they want men to be better men to offer other people better lives. Like you should want to be a high value man for yourself. So that way you can decide how you want to live, you know, your life according to your own rules. That's not to be a sociopath, but you know, from there, okay, well now that I've accomplished, you know, these goals at work, these goals at school and these goals in my personal life, now I'm going to pursue a relationship and then I'm going to grow a family from that because I feel like I'm now capable of doing that. I'm capable of taking on responsibility of that and having authority over this because I've displayed my competency in all these other areas and I feel like I'm worthy of these things, right? That's where, I, that, that's kind of like the high value male message that I would like to see put out more is that like you do these things for you and then you decide what your destiny is from there. Now, mm. don't be a sociopath, but you know, your general goal should be, hey, I want to leave the world a little bit better than I left it 
or then I found it and I'm going to live my life unapologetically on my terms to make the world a better place for me and for my kids. Yeah. So if your aspiration is children. No, I didn't do that. So how much of that do you think factors in? So we have two different things on the table, right? You're, you're being the master of your own shift and master of your destiny, but you're also in a social hierarchy, right? Like you're, you're being this high value relative to other people. How much do you think you need to factor in, you know, the social mores of your community, the sort of norms that you're surrounding yourself with. Do you think there's like too much of being like, if you go rogue and you're doing your completely own thing in every direction and now you're ostracized, like where do you find the balance? Um, I think that you really can't get to a high value, like to be a high value guy without providing value to others because value is subjective. Therefore you must provide value to other people to become valuable, right? Like, um, in my band, A Common Crown, the reason why I consider our band valuable is because a lot of people come to see our shows, right? A lot of people listen to our music. Um, when I work on cars, a lot of people will come to me and have their car fixed because I've worked my ass off to get to where I am today. When people come to me you know, through the podcast or through my Twitter following test for nutrition advice, that's because I've displayed competency and they trust me to you know, give them good information. I've displayed value in all these areas. Therefore, that makes me of high value. And that, that may sound arrogant, but once again, I provide value to other people. Therefore, that makes me a valuable person. You could, you, If you're going to be a sociopath and you're going to rip people off at every terms unapologetically on your own terms, eventually people are going to find you out and then you're going to be ass up and no one's going to want anything from you. Well, the clearly not though, because- Yeah, but okay, but we're, we're drawing one example <laughs> How often do you really think that happens? I to be honest, though, sociopaths manage to climb the corporate ladder and uh, they end up actually becoming like more famous because they there is uh, I there is something charismatic and attractive about someone that displays like sociopathic or like like even like just narcissistic but tendencies. Those, yeah, but those guys use it constructively rather than destructively. Well, yeah. and it's, it, it, the data is actually really interesting on that, that, you know, each given kind of community and society has a tolerance for sociopathy within it, like up to like five, 6%. And those people thrive without like overall detracting from the thing. You really can't look at those people other than, you know, you just have to try to suss them out and push them out. But they're they're but they're producers. usually very likable and like yeah. that like very i worked the manager the my boss at a strip club like i managed a strip club and he was like the person above me he was 100 percent a sociopath <laughs> like or something something in that that he had the dark triad that's for sure and like but i and i also think that this is why andrew tate triggers me so much is because andrew tate reminds me of him in a lot of ways uh and and like the way he manipulated women and and the way the type of women that he would kind of he could see vulnerability he could see it and he went for that and he knew how to control it and uh yeah I, but the thing was is he was very likable like even i i wanted him to like me you know like you want those types of people to like you uh so I don't know. Like, so it's like, is that a high, I don't consider that a high value person though. Cause that's not the type of man that you want to be in a relationship with because he treated his wife like shit. Like I wouldn't know just because they have value in all of these aspects, you know, like I still say that's not a high value man. Okay. But we're, we're getting bogged down in two examples. Does that make sense? No, but talking- I know this I'm using examples. I could give you more if you'd like, but, but like, but I'm you, saying okay. that there's, there's certain like, 
There are men that have these certain traits that make them charismatic, make them very likable, which makes them appear high value. And they will attract women and women will be attracted to them. What I'm saying is those men are not high value. Okay, but for the vast majority of guys, you don't think it's useful advice to say that like, Basically, what we're laying out here that you should yes. provide value oh, for other obviously. people. Oh, obviously, obviously, yes, 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 yes. That's the point. That's kind of what yes. I'm getting at. For most, I guys, guess I'm coming from it from a woman's perspective, and I want to like give women advice as well. You guys want to give like I get it. You guys care about men. I also want to be like yes, but just because a man does these things doesn't mean that that guy is high value. That isn't an automatic yes. Like there needs to be kindness. There needs to be um, them being a good person, and and you need to be able to. To see that integrity yes integrity yes and i mean i personally value communication and and i know rollo tomasi would disagree with me on this like no communication isn't that valuable with a woman but i personally well, no, he no, no, does it's, it's because women women value communication men yeah are more about once again men want to do women are more about like no but he at, he says that women don't want that like that women, like that they say that that's what they want, but it's not really what they want. Like they don't you know, really. The media, it's the medium is the message. Once again, what it, what are her actions telling you? What are, and I mean, I, I think that even goes beyond just women too. Um, You know, what is what is anybody's actions telling you? Even if, if they're saying something and doing something completely different, then okay. <laughs> now you know what to believe. Because I, I mean, to, I, I care more about what people do that, rather than what people say. It's it's interesting, Brandy, because I, my life has been dramatically improved by having much better communication skills now than I did when I was five yeah. twenty one. But I still don't know if I'd put it. Sorry about that. I don't know if it was. Uh, my my fucking hierarchy of like how you need to improve yourself. Communication is super useful as a tool, but it is not. It's not the high. It's not the first step in self improvement. Communication mm-hmm. is this like gravy on how like once you've made yourself the best person you want to be yeah get get, figure your communication out because it's going to make your life easier but that's not i don't know if that's necessarily the goal like making your life easier isn't isn't what you're setting out to do you need to improve yourself go ahead well no i I guess because we're coming at it like so like you guys are coming at it from the male perspective right and what men want and what's best but but I'm trying to give you like a female perspective and maybe there are other women that might disagree with me but in my perspective I just think that like well there'll be men that will be vague on their intentions or be like vague in a lot of aspects and like genuinely I don't think women want that but maybe there are certain types of women that do and I, and I might be an anomaly. I don't fucking okay, so, know. Yeah, I, I don't think women do want a guy who's vague. So I would actually agree with you there. But that's because men who are decisive, once again, know what they want. And they're willing to do whatever it takes to get that. So yeah. once again, this kind of would come off as a high value guy. This is, you know, DHV distri- displaying higher value. If you know what you want, you're willing to work your ass off to get it. Then I think that's attractive to women because they understand that determination that means that like whatever goal you have you're willing to you know cut throats and change diapers if you have to yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's beautiful right like that's the kind of thing where you break down value of like listen we're in this as a team especially if it's like you you got three kids and if you're the person who's i'm not going to change a diaper you're hurting you know you're you're hurting your own reputation by not being flexible by not willing being willing to step in 
That just reminded me of someone tweeted that if a man changes a diaper, they're like a bitch or something. Did you, did that, you that see that, that, Kyle? Yeah, I think that was Isabella. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I fucking that. Of course, it was her. It was, it was like something about how men like can't change diapers because that's like the woman's job. Yeah, that that particular aspect of the like trad. Uh, I personally, I I don't have an issue with the fact that people want to be trad and like that's what they want to do. But it really bothers me when there's this perspective that they're pushing where they're saying that you are not a good husband or you are not a good wife or you are you're not going to have value within your relationship if you don't do X, Y, and Z. Right. I mean, it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning about like yeah. if you're choose what you want, but don't proselytize how you you know you're supposed to do it correctly or whatever. Yeah. Well, Okay. Oh, Th- that's it, what yeah, it she- was. She tweeted that her husband will never change a diaper. Okay, Sorry. can we? Her husband is also like twenty. Like, like <laughs> her husband's like a child. Ugh, I, <laughs> like, he literally is. Like, isn't he like super young? He looks super young. I don't know. No, but I'm pretty sure he is because everyone was calling her a groomer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's no, I, I saw this because people were saying she groomed him because she like met him when he was like younger. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. Yeah, there there is kind of something funny to uh trad women being online posting on Twitter and talking shit about everybody else all day. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, if you really believed you'd shut the fuck up and just, you know, be barefoot. You wouldn't be on fucking time. Twitter if you were trad. Yeah. And, and like, look, I I really don't care that much. Like if you're gonna be on Twitter and promoting trad values, I'm fine with that. But just don't tell everybody else that that like this is the only way to live because yeah, it's not like this is. I don't want to say it's like a new phenomena, but you and I covered this on the last show, and I think Ryan will probably agree with this too. But like humans are not innately monogamous. We're monogamous monogamous by choice because we realize like, hey, this is the best way to raise families, and like civilization tends to flourish when we have a lot of monogamous families. That doesn't mean that this is a binary where like. Everybody, everything that's not monogamous is bad, and everything that that is monogamous is good. But just this is the pattern that we've seen, so we've chosen for this over time. Yeah, it's a product of the industrial revolution. Like once we started owning land, it was like, oh, I need to give my children the land. When you didn't care about that, you didn't care. Actually, it's interesting. Before that, we didn't care whose kids were ours. Like if you look at pre-industrial or pre, well, it would be before that, wouldn't it? Pre-agricultural, yeah. Sorry, agricultural revolution, not yeah. industrial. So it, it's really a relatively new phenomenon where I subscribe to that anyway. I mean, you know, it's hard to prove those kinds of things. But generally speaking, we we built this whole sort of like concept of ownership because you needed you had land that you needed to protect from people who wanted to take it from you and you wanted to give it to your children. And nice. that's where that's where it all comes from. Yeah. All right. Well, we have been going for about an hour and a half now. I know um, Brandy was on a little bit of a time crunch. I want to give her a few minutes so that way she could do whatever she has to do. Pound white, another white claw before she goes off. To her I'm going to pound this one. <laughs> You've been uh, swinging at that all night. I mean, I finished my No, I've, I'm on. That's wait, this is my one. fourth. I was going to say, that's You're not the fourth. <laughs> you bring the whole fucking container up there with you. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan gets me. I, like, that's not the first one. For you. <laughs> cool. uh, well, listen, if you guys ever are in the uh, area of Pennsylvania, you'll have to come to one of my band shows because, listen, we will put down some White Claws and a bottle of whiskey or, like, six. Um, I think it would be a good time. <laughs> are, you, are you near Philly or Pittsburgh? Uh, Pittsburgh. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I wanted to say, yeah. uh, me and Ryan will be starting a podcast very soon. 
and hopefully Kyle will be a regular. That's the goal. Of course. Uh, where I want to talk about this stuff more often. Yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoy the uh, topic as well, because it's been something that I've been passionate about since I was probably in my late teens. And it, I really do think this helped my life get into a better direction. And uh, if you read Rolo's books, then um, there are there is stuff about pivoting from spinning plates, as they call it, into uh, kind of going into monogamy, which I think is kind of the path for a lot of guys to go that you should kind of date non-exclusively and then decide like hey do i want to keep doing this or do i want to pivot over into like a monogamous relationship and have children and a family um i think just so that good 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 i was gonna say like so i don't know if i so i think that that i don't know if i think that that's always the case though because i think that you could also realize that a polyamorous situation might be better for you like yeah, but well, not that, for many I mean. people no ryan i'm gonna say this isn't for everyone this is for a very small percentage of people like a very like but this is what i mean is like for the majority i think kyle is correct but i do believe like i don't because because there is this small percentage of people that exist i don't want them to be like why am i broken and be like why is this not why is monogamy yeah. not working for me like why does this not work it's it because be a, for you yeah because there is a small percentage of people that i think polyamory works for mm-hmm. or even maybe. swinging maybe it's it's really one of those things though when it's the exception to the rule don't inherently reject the rule like learn it understand yes it, and then you know like i had to go through a lot of failures to understand myself and know that those things weren't for me right yeah without that if i just waited right in you know i might not have ever really had the deep understanding of myself that i do now that makes the life i live very possible and very successful right mm-hmm. well and once again this is why i think hey maybe as a guy and maybe even as a girl date non-exclusively and then you know have good experiences with different people and then find out like what works for you and what doesn't work for you like this whole idea of a soulmate has always been ridiculous to me because you're building up this complacency for a person that they will never ever be able to meet and anytime they deviate from that you're going to be disappointed in them no matter what so just understand that i think like most people for most people are going to be on a spectrum like you're gonna have people you can date and get along with and people that you can't you have to find you know what you're willing to tolerate and what works with you and your values and kind of go from there. Like, I can't tell you that no one on this panel can tell anybody else that you kind of have to go out there and do it for yourself and develop yourself in the progress and realize where you're vulnerable and where you're flawed in order to, you know, live the life that you dream of really. Yeah. I agree with that. Agree. Nice. All right. Well, hopefully it was a good way to close. (laughs) Brandy, go ahead give your plugs, anything cool that you got going on. Um, Yeah. Let her rip. So me and if you are in the Boston or New England area, me and Ryan are going to be doing a show called Cult of Art and you all should go. It's on October 21st at Sonia. And if you're in New England, fucking go. It's bomb, bomb ass time. And Ryan might do a strip tease. Like, I don't know. I hope that doesn't steer people away. But <laughs> and then uh, also. <laughs> also, uh, we will be producing a podcast very soon within the next week. Two weeks? I don't know. I have to talk to him because he had tech problems. But we're, we're, we're filming principal photography in the next week. <laughs> soon, soon, and hopefully we can get Kyle on board to do Absolutely. this more well, often. You have uh, you have my DMs and everything else, and I would be glad to do it. Uh, Ryan, go ahead, give your plugs. Ever anything that uh, people should know about you anywhere? 
she covered that. That's all good. I, I don't have, <laughs> I'm not trying to sell anything here. I'm just having a good, having a good conversation. <laughs> no, I like it. Well, I'll definitely have to get you back on. Me and you will have to have a conversation one-on-one. Um, no girls allowed this time. Oh, wow. <laughs> Rude. No, no. Well, uh, you guys are always welcome back on the podcast. Um, April 28th will be the first episode of the new podcast that I'll be participating with. Uh, the boys from Biting in the Bullet, Typo and Luke. Uh, Adam Nutter and Samuel Urban called Five Till Midnight. I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, next week's shows, I'm probably going to start doing the China propaganda stuff, start kind of tying apart that. And next Tuesday, I will be on Unheard Perspectives with he- Heidi Briones on a uh, Twitter space. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, check out a commoncrown.com for all my band's music. All the links below for my information, all the stuff that I do, affiliate links, blah, 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 whatever. And uh, yeah, if you guys don't got anything else, we will close her out. Thanks so much. Peace. Thanks, guys. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.